Hello, uh, welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen with Sci Force number four. And myself, Andy, will be talking about Night Mask number four. I'm doing my best uh, game show host kind of voice here. Is it working out? <laughs> pretty close, pretty good. All right, <laughs> those teacher skills. Uh, so, um, if you're with us again, uh, the new universe, this is a self-contained Marvel universe uh, started by Jim Shooter in 86. Uh, they launched eight new titles to celebrate the 25th anniversary, well, 25th anniversary of superhero Marvel comics. It was intended to be more realistic without aliens, no secret histories, no magic. Uh, and us, we're two chemists and comic book fans who are reading through the new universe two books a week. Um, in the order they're released and describing them and podcasting and commenting as we go. So we'll also give the advertising copy, the blurbs uh, from Marvel Age as we go as well. Um, two fun new things. Uh, we have a website, uh, kickersinc.com. Why would you go to a website for a podcast, you ask? Well, <laughs> maybe to check out our contest. <laughs> So if you have the New Universe comics um, around issue three or four, you may have noticed a uh, sweepstakes with some quiz questions. And so we are reviving that sweepstakes with a whole bunch of questions. Uh, so go check out the website. It's on the front page. Uh, unless you're listening to this in the, in the long ago past, you may then yeah, still email us. We'll see. Um, but yeah, you got a chance to win some comics. And I think it, it's a fun challenge to try and answer the questions. But anyway, so back to this week. So this week I'll be talking about Night Mask. Uh, Night Mask is our orphaned uh, Keith Remsen. He's a counselor aided by his sister, Teddy, who uses his newfound ability to enter people's dreams to help them recover from trauma and mental illness. Uh, and the copy for this week is can Keith Nightmask Remsen possibly survive a duel to the death with Mistress Midnight? Ooh. And we'll this out. week. <laughs> Sorry. All right, no spoilers. No spoilers. And this week, I'll be covering Cyforce number four. Cyforce is a group of teenage paranormal psychics on the run from a government that seeks to control them. They can meld their abilities into a powerful psionic being called the Psyhawk. This week, Voyager, Salvo, Touchstone, and Megarod escape to a mountain retreat only to find that it's a death trap. Um, to be uh -huh. honest, that's, that rate's rather low on the accuracy scale. We'll also be, be discussing uh, the teenagers uh, and giving teenagers um, superpowers and how that's been handled in the new universe. How uh, realistic is it from our own experiences? So, Yeah, and we have a Cyforce letters page, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah, I love those code names. I think we mentioned them last podcast, but uh, Cyforce doesn't currently use code names. So... Uh, None of those means anything to really any of the readers. No. Yeah. And uh, it's not spoiling anything to say that there's no mountain retreat or death trap 
<laughs> involves. But maybe right. that'll be issue five. We don't know. We haven't looked ahead. Yeah, we refuse to. But right. <laughs> I just part of our service to you, the listener. I just got it off it. the spinner rack, and you know, issue five hasn't come out yet. Exactly. We don't want to pretend like we're any better than you. So. <laughs> Unless you've read all of them already and you're just listening to us. So thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll accept that, certainly. So, we can tolerate it. <laughs> okay, so Night Mask 4. Um, last issue, we had sort of a, uh, I guess, a fill-in issue where Teddy, or, or I'm sorry, where Keith, um, Teddy was not involved where Keith rescued one of his buddies who had a drug problem uh, from a bunch of uh, pop culture alien monsters, which were actually kind of fun. Uh, this issue we have uh, right on the cover night mask uh, with a woman behind him with a giant battle ask battle axe with some blood on it. Uh, it's actually a pretty nice cover. Uh, Plunkett and Weiss 86 are cover credits. Um, I really, uh, it's good uh, sort of um, fantasy art. Um, the female character is a little uh, demure. Um, she's a little more covered up than she would be on the cover of a Conan or a, a yeah. Warlord contact, uh, comic at around this time, but um, really good. Uh, it's good looking. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, definitely. Got, you know, I mean, the axe makes you think Conan, right? Like in Frazetta or whatever. It's It's way more covered up, but... Actually, she is more covered up than she is in the issue, too, as it turns out. Um, but anyway, so uh, our Night Mask 4, uh, this is Archie Goodwin back as writer with Ron Wagner penciling and Tony Duzuniga um, as well as Inker. And uh, basically, we start with a character we only saw briefly in issue two. Uh, I like this guy because of his goofy country accent. Uh, the French Riviera, 8 a.m. Boy, howdy, it's her <laughs> right here in your local newspaper. Little floozy who put me in this fancy excuse for a loony bin. <laughs> it's the uh, ugly American. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What Europeans think we all sound like this, so, you know. Yeah. No, the the French doctor looks like a creepy like <laughs> Satanist. <laughs> yeah. He's got like black hair, big widow's peak, black goatee. Uh, you know, he looks. It reminds me of the guy who was like the head of the satanic group in the U.S. or something, or he was for a long time. Um, yeah. yeah, the the first, the picture at the bottom of the page. He really looks like he's uh, about to summon up a cult to. Uh, argue with this guy <laughs> so so why do we bother here uh, so he ran into uh lady midnight uh who was introduced at the end of the last issue as uh someone who's going to go after night mask uh at kleinman's uh beck and call uh, and she uh basically kissed this guy this country guy into a coma and he's waking up finding her in the newspaper and we find out that apparently she is like the daughter of a prince so like a princess to be maybe uh, and so the doctor is like well you better not keep blaming her for your problem or you're never going to get out of here essentially or secure swift release in return to your native oklahoma 
So uh, this is, I guess, a, a reference to uh, Monaco, the Prince of uh, Monaco, the, that family. Oh. She's described as, well, it's, yeah, the Riviera and the Principality. And so it's this sort of tiny, whatever, royal family in control of this small um, resort kind of area. But, oh, cool. That's good. I didn't know that. Apparently, uh, there's some shady business in the family, too. So, yeah, I don't know too much about, uh, yeah, the, the beyond the um, print, uh, Grace Kelly, I guess, married into the family. Oh, okay. I remember in the 50s or 60s, and um, they had a couple of kids that were the sort of Euro life, you know, um, High class, uh, always in the newspapers, kind of types. Okay, perhaps not as much anymore. Uh, the world has moved on. The world has. Uh, so we go back to the United States, uh, Dulles International Airport, two a.m. Timing is important here, uh, where we have some airplane stewardesses commenting that their VIP passenger. Um, our, our Miss Midnight, our princess, uh, essentially, uh, seems to have kind of transformed uh, since she started off in the plane. Like she went from mouse to man eater, and now she's talking up some suave businessman, uh, basically inviting her back, in, inviting him to uh, take a cab with her. Uh, and she starts to kind of explain herself a little bit. You know, she says, I never dream, but then I've always, well, because he's asking, you know, how is she so awake, you know, such a long flight, all these delays, why aren't you tired? You know, like I never sleep, I never dream. I've always I've always been fortunate in getting others to share theirs with me. In fact, you might say it's the purpose of my visit. <laughs> so <laughs> stop being too subtle other than, you know, obviously this guy's not gonna predict that she's some sort of dream vampire. You might uh, say that I'm a dream vampire who's coming to attack <laughs> one of your own dream paranormals. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, this guy's all in anyway. He's he's ready to go, um, and then we get to the the title page with the authors, uh, and so the title of the book is "Midnight Approaches." As we've got this horrifying looking half cyborg old man face uh, reflected in a smashing mirror, getting broken by a big metallic fist. Uh, this is our Horst Kleinman or Robo Horst Kleinman. <laughs> And he says, no, no, this is not how it should be, not like this. Uh, so he's pretty unhappy. So uh, he squared off against Nightmask in the first issue, and in losing, um, you know, his equipment exploded and really, really messed him up. Right. So yeah, whatever cybernetic gear he was using to to sort of do the same thing that uh, Nightmask's paranormal power does putting himself into other people's dreams. Somehow that was very unstable and blew up in his face. And yeah, he was months in recovery and now he's a twisted half robotic monster. Yeah, basically. and he has not embraced it like a lot of evil villains where they kind of go crazy and like, all right, well now I'm gonna take over the world. Like he kind of already seemed to have wanted to do something like that, but he's, he's really unhappy because uh, his body's sort of wrecked so he's got a lot of braces and machinery to keep him able to move but he's like it's clumsy i can't 
I can't work with this. He's, you know, first sort of raging against his two minions, um, Jian and Udo, which are kind of fun. Um, but then he's like, no, it's not your fault. My trusty minions, the one who put me into this mess is Nightmask. <laughs> so he really blames him for the problem. It's kind of like a, you know, what's that classic like Lex Luthor uh, origin where yes, Superman like made him bald or something. <laughs> yeah, there was like a chemical spill or something and somehow Superboy was blamed. Yeah. A little angrier than that. And so like the the face is pretty out there. Um, you know, for New Universe, it's kind of interesting because he's really sort of half cyborg looking. I think they explain it more as like he's got equipment built around him to, to allow him to kind of get up and move. So, um, but it definitely looks very sci-fi. It doesn't look like something that could be around in 1986. Um, I mean, it does look like if you were in a movie in 1986, yes. and you were like, I want a guy who's half a robot. This is what you would get. Yeah. Um, it immediately but, it immediately made me think of uh, like GI Joe action figures. Like in like early eighties, they started out and they were like kind of realistic. Like they have green combat uniforms, and you know, they kind of look like like a normal sort of soldier, even the bad guys. Um, but then as you got later on in the years, like they they were running out of things. So you know you'd have these interesting like laser eye half robot, you know gold and purple you know, crazy Cobra guys and stuff. It, it, this would fit perfectly with those. It totally looks like uh, like a 1989 Cobra action figure. Okay. It really does. <laughs> and that's when I stopped buying them too, because I'm like, these look dumb. <laughs> I, well, we'll get, yeah. we'll get a chance to, to get back to this uh, setup in Zurich uh, as we go on. Yeah, so I don't want to digress too far, right? So uh, Lady Midnight is in the States. Horst Kleinman is not happy. Uh, Keith Remsen is in Robot World. Uh, so uh, as Kleinman is railing about how it's all Keith's fault, um, then you know, we get to him in, obviously inside a dream basically swinging around like batman um dodging a giant robot um you know, probably like 60 feet tall it looks a lot like the terminator very I, much again there's a lot of terminator in these books it must have been a really like still right on that the, the pop pop culture pulse there um but it looks like he's swinging in to rescue a woman in a bathing suit basically um, so it gives her like the Batman rescue, swings, grabs her, uh, the rope gets cut, falls in the water, uh, you know, pulls her out from the spikes. So it's you know, this crazy, dangerous world. Uh, interestingly enough, in the later page, like page six, they actually show the um, tower that his line's hooked to. <laughs> right. So a lot of times the superhero stuff, like, Spider-Man or Batman will be like the, the rope or the grappling hook is off screen. Like, so you have no idea what he's actually swinging from here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think was a nice little touch there. It's uh yeah, you don't see, you just see him coming in from stage right on the previous page. So you just sort of fill it in, in your mind. Oh yeah. You know, there's something there. 
but yeah you actually see it on the next page so. there is the something yeah so uh the robot planet neat place to visit in the first few times kind of like getting to star in some big budget george lucas or steven spielberg berg fleck but dangerous thinking i have all these fantasies of playing hero dreams give me the chance but they also make me forget you can feel like the star that doesn't mean it's your movie right because he's in this uh, he's in someone else's dream <laughs> uh, interestingly enough so the robot catches them so he's got him and the girl kind of clamped in his hand like king kong style uh and he decides to make out with the woman <laughs> so <laughs> keeps 18 he's in a dream that's fair i guess um but his sister of course is monitoring him to pull him out that's teddy and so we cut to her and was like, what are you doing? Delusion approved? <laughs> I think you should, we should, we should bring you back. It's like, no, just a little longer. <laughs> and this, very, this, very attractive women in this uh, issue. I got to say the artist really is. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, that's a good job. In early issues, uh, his sister was definitely drawn more like a kid. Um, though here, like, you know, every, everyone's pretty. But yeah, the faces are well done um yeah especially the like creepy skull terminator face too <laughs> because his makeout session with the woman uh trip trips out the robot it's like you dare right in my grasp she's part of my world part of all i control you can't do this it should be me not you me so the robot wishes he was making out maybe <laughs> so the robot mask cracks and then we see a sad, teary-eyed man underneath, um, which is our, our, our guy who uh, night masks in his dream. Um, but yeah, so that's the end of the dream. Uh, Teddy's kind of annoyed. Uh, she doesn't really get what's going on or what he's trying to do. Uh, so they kind of argue a little bit about... Uh, whether he should have she should have pulled him out or not he, he was handling things fine himself uh he calls her squirt which he does a few times in this issue uh which is annoying her uh, so there's a little bit of conflict between brother and sister yeah she's a younger sister than she's like 16 17. yeah gotta be um, right yeah so she's you know yeah, i don't know growing up but still kind of annoyed with all of this yeah probably not the first time like uh, keith has seen some attractive females in some dreams before so. keep your hands off of them keith <laughs> but on the mission so you know for whatever you would think of in terms of why would you make out with the woman while being clutched by the deadly robot uh, it seems to have maybe worked right because then we get to see um, back in the office where they all actually are, um, they've got uh, Mr. Steele on the couch, um, who's talking to Dr. Ballard. Um, you know, it causes you to cry, to show emotion, not the worst thing for a man with a reputation as being cold and remote, right? Um, like a robot. That's what my wife, my former wife used to say. <laughs> uh, so, so he has a he lost his marriage uh, he was a rich businessman uh he was gone all the time tried to control everything treat his wife like a princess but she didn't like being told what to do all the time right so then his dream world is robot world where he gets to control everything uh, 
So then, night mask. So Mr. Steel. Steel. Robot. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. It just occurred to me. And then he's fears losing control. Yeah. Fears losing control. <laughs> so it might be a useful piece of information for some sort of quiz related question that might be on some sort of website. <laughs> You're way better at being subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Your teaching experience makes you too. Um, you know, clear and well understood <laughs> yeah well they still don't pay attention but hey what are you gonna do <laughs> right so they're actually so keith is feeling relatively relatively successful and so he's talking about how well you know i've been i've been just kind of guessing and stumbling around but you know, here with dr ballard's help you know it seems like we're maybe actually accomplishing stuff um but teddy's annoyed uh, that she's not really, you know, a full-fledged part of the team. So I wouldn't know since I'm too much of a squirt to be included in the planning. So again, more uh, more discord there, which is one of the sort of themes of the issue. The younger sister feeling like she's not uh, an equal member. Yeah, it's interesting because the sort of setup being that Night Mask is part of a therapy program but he's also you know a freshman in college age so the putting him together with this experienced psychoanalyst dr ballad and sort of building this program where it's several of them each with their skills or whatever to try to treat patients you know makes sense i mean it's a good setup yeah yeah, and cut to mostly naked and people the physical in our therapist. next member of the squad, right? So our, our, we have Dr. Ballard, Nightmask, his sister, Teddy, and the physical therapist, um, which we're still kind of wondering what she's doing there, but she's doing physical therapy. Uh, Teddy, Nightmask's sister, is in a wheelchair, so she's sort of support for her. Uh, previously, she was shown helping them all work out, too. Um, and she's basically kind of trying to talk her down on the massage table. So Teddy's mad that she's not part of the discussions um, and that uh, Keith is just messing around, right? He's just trying to have fun and kissing this girl. I'm like, that's not the strategy. He's just having fun. I could feel it. Um, Lita, the, the therapist, is just like, he's, you know, he's just a man. He's a human. He can make mistakes. You know, he's an 18-year-old boy. Like. Yeah, this is kind of what we expect out of them. Teddy, Carita, Keith is 18, becoming a man. Like, like I said, that doesn't make him a monster, just human. Incredibly human. Okay. It's a little, little friendly there, Lita. I don't know. <laughs> what does incredibly human mean, anyway? Yeah, that's the way it's like. Maybe mm. kind of human? More human than human. That's the way we <laughs> we build them here. It was a great Seinfeld. I don't even remember what they're talking about, but like George and Jerry at the coffee shop and like deciding that if they combine together, like you know, they can support a whole healthy relationship, right? Because they're each <laughs> like half a man. <laughs> so not incredibly a man. <laughs> anyway, um, so. 
complaining. You know, we cut to Ballard and Keith Nightmask talking, and he's got news about Kleinman. Um, and although he's, you know, he wants to wait for everybody to get together, uh, Keith is so, you know, amped up about finding out finding out what's going on with the guy who killed his parents, right? He's like, tell me now, tell me now. Uh, so of course, as Dr. Ballard is talking about how they've, they've seen some activity in his lab, you know, using a bunch of energy, ordering a bunch of materials, you know, so something's going on there. Um, then uh, Lita and Teddy roll in uh, and again, you know, all right, hey, they're meeting, they're talking about all this important business without us here. Um, so yeah, more conflict. So cut to um, a cab and the uh, Vivian, Lady Midnight. Uh, she's basically driving the city. Let's see, does she have the guy with her still? So this is, this was a bit confusing to me too, because I'm not sure this is the, the, she got into town on the same night and this is all like one sequence of events because it seems like she took a cab and she got to the airport and now she's with a different cab, but the driver looks basically the same. Yeah, okay, so there's a flashback later. Um, I got out of the first cab, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so she's asked to be dropped off. Like, like, what's the cool spot? Where can I find? Where are people going to go for fun? Um, that's someone again. She's putting it all out there. I'm looking for someone special, someone willing to share a dream. So she's hinting, hinting at things that no one could ever have any possible idea what the hell she was talking about. But so we go. And the the she is wearing the same outfit she was wearing in the previous uh, scene, which is kind of a um, black widow cat suit kind of a thing. Yeah, very much with like a spiky neck collar. She's uh, yeah, yeah. She's a not unattractive woman looking for the hot spot in town. So, Gabby's. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so cut back to Zurich uh, with the creepy castle. And creepy Ooh. castle on a hill, right? Zurich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think one of our our colleagues in grad school went to uh, did a postdoc in Switzerland. I don't think, remember her describing anything like this. So, well, I mean, it's a private estate by a world renowned sleep specialists right <laughs> it's not just going to invite any old postdoc there <laughs> that is true was, uh... plus this is 86 so he might be dead we don't know how what how it turns out for this guy <laughs> uh so we get some interesting a couple panels of the uh the goons so we're le learning a bit a lot about different characters in this one uh are gian and udo uh uh, Gian is, you know, he likes working for Dr. Kleinman because, you know, there's no rules, no one to kind of tell him what to do, or he doesn't have to follow any scientific guidelines. Uh, Udo has a little bit more of a conscience. He's more, I think, more of a surgeon. Uh, he's kind of questioning uh, what they're doing and whether it's really for the greater good. Um, 
but then we get you know so they walk in on dr kleinman or robo robo kleinman robo gnome is that what we should call him his gnome was his uh i like that dream guy yeah, i wonder if he'll be a robot gnome in the dream world hmm <laughs> too many questions um so, so they're talking about an implant so uh, as it turns out they have implanted uh, the princess right vivian lady midnight uh, with a brain implant that allows them to track her also sort of mind controlled her uh, so really they've kind of programmed her uh, to be like their their dream assassin uh, so yeah i guess a little bit like black widow yeah she's got this implant that tracks and possibly controls and they talked about uh post-hypnotic suggestion and the sort of treatment that they'd given her before to um yeah basically make her a um, manipulated according to what they want which is yeah. to kill keith remsen at the moment or at least when she's in her uh her midnight mode right because she switches when midnight comes around from sort of the demure princess personality to lady midnight kind of yeah like so they don't have much use for the demure princess personalities so. no <laughs> but anyway so as as it happens while she's out uh in the coolest part of georgetown wherever that might be um keith is there too so uh out there wholesome dude getting some ice cream on a saturday night baskin robbins <laughs> it's Double scoop of ice cream. It's a big day. Big oh, yeah. night. Yeah. I love it. I love that he calls Kleinman in his head a, a ter terminally whack. <laughs> Man, that guy's real whack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a terminally whack would be genius from Zurich is after your hide, and best plan is to stay out late and take refuge in Baskin Robbins flavor of the month. Well, what the heck? It's Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> So of course he turns sees lady midnight she's posing and smiling at him he drops the top scoop off of his ice cream um the climbman's back in the lab he says contact right so they don't have video it's not like super tech seeing through her eyes or anything like that but um they're reading sort of her emotional reactions so you know fluctuations in her reactions she must have found somebody right yeah. Yeah, they uh I, I forget all that like brainwave activity they always monitor, you know, in the yeah. movies or something. Oh, so they're matching the dream wave frequency. <laughs> yeah, and that that's kind of it. It's like so Nightmask, once he knows and has been in someone's dreams, then he can go there whenever he wants. And that's kind of what they're trying to do too. They're trying to get his brain waves, his dream waves or whatever, so that then, you know, presumably they can infiltrate his sleep whenever they want and, and, and strike an attack. Um, yeah, so that it's really, yeah, both he and Keith are trying to find out how to infiltrate the other's dreams and attack them, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Keith, I mean, the, the conversation with the doctor before was saying that, um, you know, we don't have any proof that any, you can take to court or even the police. It's just a bunch of stuff you saw in dreams. And so, yeah, not good enough. 
they're not going to get much help from the authorities. The game of dream cat and dream mouse. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, we get then Kleiman sort of narrating how he found and uh, ended up manipulating uh, Vivian, the princess slash uh, Lady Midnight. I don't know what to call her. She's got too many names. Um, but, you know, essentially, you know, so she developed this ability, you know, no mention of white event or powers or anything. We're not really sure. But again, yeah, yeah. narrating it. So we don't know if he even knows what the knows about the white event. Um, or how long this has been going on. Exactly. Right. So she accidentally kissed and killed someone. Um, also, she had all these sleep problems, which ended up making her kind of, you know, go into psychosis and her personality fragmented, you know, so she developed that other personality after midnight. Um, and then it kind of goes into the explanation of how, you know, since she can't dream, then her brain needs to sort of eat or steal the neuroelectric energy from somebody else sure okay um yeah the pseudo technical explanation that they come up with here is right okay it's fine i guess you know but uh but then the process of extracting that can kind of knock someone out so i think then they kind of cut back to you know what happened to the guy after the airport she kissed him he passed out and she paid the cab driver to drop him drop him off or or to drop her off and then not tell the the guy uh, where she where where she was essentially. So she just kind of smooched him and ditched. Yeah, and like maybe it, they say maybe it was it it can be fatal. Although like this the first time was just like an old guy or something, so maybe that was more susceptible to the heart attack or something. But um it's yeah where she's like oh yeah just let me out here and i'll tip you an extra 10 bucks and it's like if the if the police are asking who this guy was with when he died <laughs> i don't think the 10 bucks is going to be enough to cover like uh, i don't know anything there wasn't anyone there um, well, but whatever she said he would wake up in an hour or so so I, who knows i mean we don't really know if she what kind of control she has over this at this point um we just don't know um so yeah, so Kleiman is, is excited. Uh, Lady Midnight has hooked up with Keith and we come, I'm not really sure where they are. It still seem like they're sort of out and about town uh, embracing in the night, the moon's shining, just about to kiss when the sister shows up. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you should have been home hours ago. So she tracked him down. Um, and interrupted their kiss and he's of course a little upset what are you doing here are you nuts roaming around by yourself <laughs> this time of night <laughs> and, so this is when, when this this time of night i'm like okay vivian gets dropped off at 2 a.m and then we go to this uh therapy session now is that after 2 a.m and this is like 4 a.m that's why i, I kind of think it's maybe the next night it's definitely got to be the next night yeah yeah I think that's why they showed the, um, the, oh, the guy from the airport session. sort of as a flashback. Yeah, so. and the physical therapy was uh, there, so that yeah, that would make sense for a yeah. next afternoon or something. Okay. So, um, 
you can kind of Teddy's reading Keith the Riot Act. Uh, you know, what are you doing with this woman? Um, you know, he calls her Teddy or Keith calls her his little sister, and that kind of sparks something in uh, Midnight. You know, I understand how Teddy feels, Keith. I'm the youngest in my family. It can be hard, very hard. And she actually kind of leans over and kisses Teddy on the, on the forehead, uh, which gives her, makes her a little bit dazed. Uh, and so, so she, see, nice lady, huh? Um, uh, Teddy, <laughs> just take me home. She's kind of holding her head. Um, and... Uh, warns him basically not to go back to that woman. Um, so Kleinman's a little worried that they're kind of losing control, like the, something strange, you know, it's like the, her dream lust is beginning to fade, maybe her other personality is starting to, to come into play. Um, but uh, Keith, Nightmask, you know, walks his sister back, she's still kind of annoyed, you know, tell, but also, you know, kind of giving him a warning, like there's something off about that lady, you know, leave her be. Uh, but he's an 18-year-old boy with a gorgeous knockout woman oh in a God. tight dress. He's going to go back and see if he can finish that kiss. Uh, I've uh, got to uh, say goodnight uh, there, Teddy. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, so he chases her down. She kind of gives him one last chance of, um, I just want to go. I, I've got doubts. Just leave. Uh but Kleinman's like, my mental control on her is too strong. There's no way she'd be able to break it. Um, and then she kind of snaps back into her uh, uh, more deadly personality, grabs him, gives him a kiss, and it'd be most pleasing to me and to our mutual acquaint acquaintance, Horst Kleinman, the man you call the gnome. No! Uh, finally gets his kiss, but then she's talking about the gnome. So I wreck that <laughs> one. <laughs> The gnome. Every time we do something fun together, you got to bring up the gnome. <laughs> and then we fight. So we're in that dream, that uh, scenario that they alluded to on the cover with sort of a fantasy, um, her in the, the double-headed axe uh, swinging it and slightly less dressed. She's a little more uh, Red Sonia in this outfit. I think. Yeah, quite a bit less dressed. Um, yeah, that, so she's she sort of attacks him, and he's in the night mask outfit, sort of the woods, I guess. But. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, whose dream is this, right? I guess she doesn't dream, right? So she must have kissed him, knocked him out, and then entered his dream. Yeah, that'd be my guess. I mean, it makes sense that that's his mind. So yeah, um, and she she's an attacker in his mind. So yeah, interesting. So you know, he dodges a big swing. So now she's kind of dressed, um, you know, less in sort of black high boots and sort of fantasy bikini metal heavy metal outfit um he's, God, he's night i wish mask. i could remember who that reminds me of yeah <laughs> yeah he's night mask uh so she swings at him but then also you know kind of uses her axe to shoot some sort of energy bolts to try and steal his brain energy so yeah it's not very uh heavy metal um yeah 
So she's trying to suck the dream energy out of him, uh, make that connection. You know, he relates it back to the Mr. Steele's robot situation. It's like, maybe I should just relinquish control. And so he decides to just dump all of the stored dream energy on her. Sure. Okay. Yeah, he's got, I mean, we've got like uh, the robot from Mr. Steele's dream. I, I'm not sure I recognize any from the previous dreams. Um, no, we don't have like the cool aliens or anything from the last one. Look um, at the, in the, the following page, um, you see like the red hat. Uh, that was the, the philanthropist guy with kind of that had kind of like the dark history that was that was his oh yeah yeah that's good yeah. i can't quite make out anything else besides some some generic looking monsters um but it works so he so he hits her all at once with somebody else's dreams not his um she goes running off um and of course uh he's still kind of like vivian he's like are we still on a date <laughs> <laughs> maybe a second chance the old uh, overload them with too much of what they wanted uh gambit maybe is that it? wasn't played out in 1986 probably not yeah yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a pretty classic writing trope <laughs> but there i are... go ahead i was gonna say that part of this struggle between the two of them it seems to have a lot of sexual innuendo as he's like struggling to keep control keep control <laughs> there's Think some of like baseball. bursting geyser <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah because what it looks like is kind of like a volcano behind him and he releases and everything kind of blasts out of it and flies at her and she runs off and it's over except for her screams and since no lights appear in homes along the street, perhaps I only hear them in my mind. I feel like we did Ooh. that last time. Um, but the goons, you know, Gian and Udo are kind of disappointed, like, well, we failed. But Kleinman has this nice evil robo Kleinman grin. It's like, but now she's stolen the dream waves of the little sister. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Next, the kingdom of the gnome. Kingdom of the Gnome. Yes. Getting ready for a showdown next time. And that's the end of this issue. That's it. No letters page, unfortunately. We do have a nice uh, one of these full page in-house ads on the next page for something called Comet Man. Yep. Had you seen that at all? I've seen it. I have not made the leap to buying an issue of Comet Man, but I think I might give it a shot. I'm guessing a four issue. It's, I only can, yeah, it's on the periphery of my memory, but it's written by Bill Moomy and Miguel Ferrer, the actors. Oh, okay. I don't know them. Um, and art by Kelly Jones. I remember he, he took off like with uh, Batman Red Rain, I think. Yeah, okay. So that was sort of mid, more mid 90s, I think. Um, so this is real early work for, for him and maybe all of them. And the tagline for it is, from Halley's, a hero. So yeah, Halley's Comet had come by in 1986. And um, it's a good sort of, oh yeah, that could cause some superhero powers too. Why not? Yeah, I mean, nobody's ever had a 
someone flying onto the earth with superpowers uh, alongside some sort of space debris before, right? Oh, wait, Superman? <laughs> what? Comet Man? There was another ad for Strike Force Moratori uh, previously, too, which I have started reading, and that one is actually pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, uh, I... we have we can give these guys superpowers to fight the alien invasion, but once you get the superpowers, then you only live maybe a year. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, they said that was one of the potential new universe uh, pitches that they they you know, realized didn't fit the the, the others. So um, the. Art looked good, and the, but the writer I wasn't as familiar with, so I don't know. I had never uh, read more than an issue or two of it. So. Yeah, I I wasn't I had no familiarity with them either. I just gave it a shot, and it turns out it's it's pretty entertaining. I it definitely wouldn't fit in the new universe. It wouldn't make any sense because, like, the the world is conquered, and you're in like the not too distant future, so. Um, you can't possibly do that without having that just dictate the whole line if you're doing Earth 1986. So yeah, I would have had to really rework the story to make it new universe, and probably would have just messed it up. Comic books always had were, were like pretty flip about having futures, like um, Legion of Superheroes or Marvel 2099 or something. It was usually far enough away that it didn't sort of put a downer on everything in the present but yeah i mean sometimes they yeah i mean if you're like you know i've got seven books that have you know normal people acting normally and there's another book that's at five years in the future where we're all living under alien occupation it would kind of take the the steam out of the other seven books with like i guess we're just waiting to be invaded at then i don't know yeah i mean we're pretty much living in the future of the 80s, right? I mean, half of the novels and movies, you know, were set in the destroyed world in like 2020 or 2019 or these sorts of things. Yeah, I think Blade Runner was like 2019, right? Yeah, Back yeah. Back to the Future, right? Like we've hit all of those dates. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, thinking back on it, I, I kind of. Uh, I would have uh, tied in Halley's Comet with the white event. That would just be me trying to like, put everything together, but uh, probably no reason to think that the new universe did that. So anyway, yeah, I mean, it's an astronomical phenomenon, you know. Nobody probably really paid that much attention to it until it was really close, right? So then it would be all in the news, whereas the... Uh, new universe right? they had they had to have been planning this for you know months if not like a year before they actually started releasing it so right yeah you're right yeah the um keeping it vague is is fine um i don't know is it, the the art style and the writing are kind of a little more reminiscent of uh like uh, 70s horror comics that Archie Goodwin had done some early work in. Um, I think the, the the general vibe you get from the Kleinman's Institute is um, like a hammer 
summer horror film or possibly one of those Italian ones from the 70s. Um, Now you're getting obscure. Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, it's all a little, you know, cinematic, let's call it. Right. It's fun. 70s Italian horror, not late 90s Italian horror. Right. (laughs) Sorry. It's closer to giallo, but not quite. (laughs) Non-giallo. Sorry. Um, Those are certainly words. Those are words that I will not explain on our podcast. (laughs) But tune in later for my solo giallo podcast, where I will... You the range after of- hours where we just rant about things that <laughs> people even less people care about i don't know i will uh yeah cover italian giallo and uh peplum films and uh possibly um the hammer uh Urbra. okay admittedly i just get a lot of this stuff from youtube channels but whatever <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's our encyclopedia now, right? Uh, God help me. Any other thoughts on Night Mask? Um, let's see. I can say the figure work was good. Um, generally, like the between the colorist and the inker, you felt like things were happening at night. And, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, nice job introducing the new villain, who's of course you know not quite a villain but a tortured kind of slave of the gnome or robo gnome as i'm going to call him now <laughs> robo gnome is pretty good um and yeah udo and gian are good sort of side characters there yeah um, you don't usually hear that much from the goons yeah we got we feel like we're getting to know them better um so i don't know it's just a fun uh it's uh, you know, good to see the, the overall um, initial story, I guess, of Keith versus the gnome continue. And um, it's, it's um, yeah, it, it gave me a, a, a overall um, pleased and, um, you know, satisfied with the story there. Yeah, yep. Goodwin definitely tries, it seems like he tries to make a lot of connections right so like the his ideas about kind of like the dream world and what's going on with the characters is a lot is a little bit tighter than like the fill-in issue was where you know like the the world was on fire in the dreams oh well he had a fire as when he was a kid or you know yeah. he's on drugs well the drugs are the evil thing in the dreams trying to get him and whatever yeah. but it's almost a little bit much almost uh at some point right there's a lot of uh there's a lot of time spent with Kleinman explaining things there's a lot of exposition is, there it's, yeah. it's good to know like we're finally kind of learning more about him and and more about these villains um but um I maybe could have done with some more action instead like maybe a couple more instead of like two pages of you know like one axe swing from lady midnight it might have been cooler to have a little more but, but we did get two dreams so again they're packing a lot into these books yeah you know and it's not the first time i've thought like we're on like page 19 and they're starting up the final battle and 
I don't know if it's the, the pacing has been a little uh, delayed in, in a number of these titles if you, now that I yeah. think about it. Well, there's a lot of setup leading up to it, right? Yeah, yeah. So what would you grade Night Mask number four? Do we keep track of our grades anywhere? We you know, I, I, I only have half of them written down. <laughs> um, I, I'll, because now I can't remember what I gave the, the last issue. I would definitely um, give it something better than that, which I think was like C plus. All right. The fill-in. This is more, Somebody, I'll take it up Feel to free to send us an email if he's remembering that grade wrong. <laughs> Get the no prize. <laughs> you said B minus last time. I'll 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 give it a B plus. B plus. That's what I was thinking too. I enjoyed it. The art helps quite a bit. Yeah, I think the last the previous issue was carried in its fun factor by the crazy amount of eighties uh, movie pop culture references and like sci-fi monsters and stuff. So there was, it was fun to look through all those. This didn't have that, but uh, it was a good story. Yeah. Maybe that was Keith Remsen's first kiss. We don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes they, they, They'll pick up like, oh, uh, we need the the main character to be young, and so it's like, oh, you make him eighteen, and then it's like, you're you're suddenly like, well, you can't put him in a bar, and yeah. so he goes out and gets ice cream, I guess, <laughs> leads you into like a little, uh, usually like shows will like sort of establish clearly like how old you are and. You know, at the beginning and then get kind of fuzzy with it pretty quickly as they need you to be a little older or a little younger, depending on how each individual adventure goes. But, mm. would, would you believe me if, if I told you I tried to look up what ice cream he might've had? <laughs> it's like pretty good. Of, of Baskin Robbins original 31 flavors. One of them was green mint. Nice. Yeah, I, he said weird. something about like uh, flavor of the month. I remember there was some like rotating ones. So. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think there's a list of flavor of the month from Baskin Robbins, nor did the writer. There's a website that that has every release date of every New Universe comic. So never say never. <laughs> Someone loves Baskin Robbins as much as we love New Universe. Quite possible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I guess we'll take a short break and we'll be back with Cyforce number four. Sound good? Right on. Welcome back to the Spinner Rack. Did I just say that at the show, end of the show? Uh, see you next time at the Spinner Rack. Oh, see, okay. you, see you back. Because that rhymes with rack. And it's not whack. <laughs> Jack. I've been shellacked already. <laughs> Let's get back on track. 
<laughs> All right. So, uh, Cyforce, um, as we said, um, the promo for this issue number four had something about a mountain retreat and a death trap. And um, I'm afraid that was a little premature. So the cover of uh, number four, which appeared on the stands um, October 28, 1986, right before Halloween, um, has a nice shot, of, action shot of um, Kathy Ling, um, the uh, young woman in Cyforce, yelling and throwing things at, uh, appears to be Cyhawk, that uh, Voltron-like force that they form together. And it's, uh, it looks like it's in a, a girl's bedroom. There's a lot of um, clothes and uh, album covers um, flying around. And you can look carefully and see some of the pop culture hits of the time. Madonna, Prince, Phil Collins, yep. very good. There's a camera with a flash cube. Remember those? Oh wow! Yeah, you're right. a Walkman, uh, a Teddy Ruxpin, and Gumby. <laughs> I I picked out. That's very good. Yeah, I I don't know what. Uh, there's a couple of odd shaped things that I couldn't identify. There's a Gumby toy, perhaps. Yeah, Gumby. I can see. There's some kind of thing that looks like a pickle dressed like Superman, but that I don't no. recognize if it's anything. That, yeah, that's a puzzle to me. I can't recognize it at all. But record player. Onward and upward. I we I'd mentioned before the um, the new universe logo at the top of the uh, cover is um, sometimes colored and is sometimes not. Night mask this week was a light blue, but Cyforce uh, has a plain white. Uh, yeah. Logo. I like the classic white. So inside uh, splash page right away has a Cyhawk on a city street um, flying and yelling at Kathy, who is holding a kitty cat and running away. Is your mind, Kathy? Mine. No, keep away. Keep away. <laughs> And the particularly evil-looking Cyhawk. He's <laughs> he rarely looks, you know, happy or you know, in a good mood or anything. He's always um, sort of a, a very restrained range of uh, expressions, which are mostly anger and rage. So the title for this uh, this issue: Going Home. Um, oh, Kathy has an Elvis Costello button. Oh, nice. Good eyes on that one. It's tiny. Oh, man, that one worked my eyes to the bone. So uh, she is yelling at him. I thought you were supposed to be our friend. You existed to help us, but you just keep us prisoners. The way of the Cyhawk is for him alone to know. Um, so she, she's yelling at him and throwing like, cars at him. Your powers are useless against me, girl. And, you know, she's throwing a tree, I don't know, some huge box and a house. And he's just 
very impressive, but I too have psionic powers and they make yours look like nothing. Then you, there's a crowd around, uh, sort of normie people, and they're all, some, what's going on? Some sort of freaks. That girl, she used to go to my school. She's Kathy Ling. It's all very like, oh. oh no, everybody sees me using my creepy powers. It's like I was always afraid. I know this is coming like the same week as Night Masks. So these, uh, usually if, if um, well, I'm sorry. Anyway, so. Uh, You're saying this is a nightmarish scenario here? It does seem that way. Although it seems to be like in the middle of day and there's no like obvious clues that that. Um, but she's uh, like, what's going on? Everyone sees me doing this now. And uh, she keeps arguing with Cyhawk until he chases her down an alley and he tells her it's useless to run from him. And she's like, I don't want to care what you say. I'm never going back to the freaks. I'm never going back. And uh, so I haven't got a chance. He's so much more powerful than me. And uh, you've defied Cyhawk Girl. Now pay the price. No. no. Yeah, she wakes up in, in bed in sanctuary. I was going to say, usually if you're like... Uh, Running around, oh no, everyone can see me. It's like you're naked in the dream, but. Comics code. Comics code. She's also in high school. (laughs) That too. I'm back in my room in Sanctuary and um, Anastasia, the Russian uh, girlfriend from Cyforce is her roommate. And she's telling her that she uh, flipped over everything in the room. Um, having a bad dream and lashing out uh, with her telekinetic powers. Now, um, it's knocks at the door. Other girls down the hall are like asking what's going on. They're just sort of, um, we were just redecorating. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you, you can either make yourself look crazy or look like you have superpowers and they just, you know, choose which the slightly lesser of the two evils i guess so she's kathy is really upset and she's crying to stasi that she hates it there but they talk a little about how um the cyhawk which is their group conscious uh, entity basically in the last issue they realized it's forcing them to stay there the other member wayne had tried to leave and was at some point telepathically pushed to come back. And they all realize they're kind of prisoners of this um, entity that is somehow uh, both them and the guy who died, Emmett Proudhon. So the next afternoon at uh, Sanctuary, the five teens are in, having a game of Monopoly trademark uh, by Hasbro or whoever owned it back then. And uh, they are both sort of arguing about how they can leave and some of the issues they'd had in the first couple of uh, issues where um, particularly the last issue, we saw that Wayne is unable to leave, psychically forced to return when he did try to leave. 
And um, Kathy just thinks, well, maybe it's just Wayne. Maybe if I can, if I go, I could, I, it, it would let me go. Um, you know, they talk a little about how they're being hunted by government agents and possibly enemy foreign government agents. But Kathy's um, very unhappy there. She wants her old life back and, you know, pretty understandable probably. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really like her powers up all throughout these issues. She's always called everything kind of gross. Like, you know, you're in astral projection. That's gross. <laughs> like, she doesn't want anything to do with any of this stuff uh, all the way through. So she's strong-willed and not looking to stick around. Yeah. But not probably not going on a road trip to a deadly cabin. <laughs> Although that sounds like a plan. I don't know. Maybe. So let's time. see. Wayne, our, our uh, leader, um, tells her that uh, I hate being stuck here more than anybody. I didn't come back because of any loyalty. I came back because that Cyhawk was in my head making me come back. And uh, they were like, Wayne had saved them from the gang who was going to kill them. Um, uh, sorry that's all right Are you okay yeah just getting signals from off screen <laughs> yeah i was afraid you were trying to send me signals but i was like you're looking at someone else so never mind. i was okay rachel oh, so. i'll keep this in the podcast so <laughs> oh good god so anyway, the, the talks go on, but um, Kathy is, uh, says it's her last game and she's going to leave in the morning. Smash cut to the morning and she's got a coat on and she's walking down the steps and uh, Anastasia and uh, Michael are watching from a window and well, she's really doing it. I hope she'll be okay. Um, no wrong. She makes San Francisco is probably crawling with teenage runaways, and I don't know. Um, well, that was the sixties, maybe, but anyway. So she uh, is trying to get to the highway where she'll start hitching a ride, which she doesn't actually know how to do. So yeah, <laughs> luckily um, she is accosted almost immediately, young lady. Oh, great. Creeps never sleep. I like that saying. That's very anyway, good. She tells him to get lost. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, you're Kathy Ling, aren't you? What? He knows my name. Is he someone, uh, does he know something about Cyhawk? Or does he know my powers? What do you want? She, he gets too close and she hurls him into some bushes nearby. Um. Yeah, I think he had it coming. Yeah, I mean, he's real, like, aggressive to, like, a teenage girl here. Yeah, who just yeah. drove up to in his car. <laughs> yeah, um, but he, he, he just thinks, oh, your parents didn't tell me you knew karate. And then your parents, uh, you, you know, if you give me a chance to explain... Hi, my name is Bert Olson. I'm a private investigator. Your folks sent me to find you. Huh? 
So he's got a package with um, a picture of her and her family and a handwritten letter uh, asking him to uh, investigate. And they have not seen her uh, since late July, where she was uh, last seen in Marin County. Now, Marin County is just north of San Francisco, um, which is a little confusing because she's coming from the south. But anyway, so he says he's been looking for her for weeks. Um, and then he saw her, and but she was always around other people, like her friends, I guess. And um, then he offers to give her a ride home. So they go for a while. They're headed toward Woodland Hills, which is in South California. Um, nice geography skills. I yeah, I double checked everything. The um, Woodland Hills was. Um, it's really in the San Fernando Valley, which makes, yeah, it does definitely make Kathy a quote, valley girl, that sort of um, annoying accent uh, or style of speaking at the time was supposedly comedic. I don't know. I never really found it all that great. And I'm not going to try to replicate that. No. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Anyway, on the road, um, they, uh, Cyhawk, I guess, starts kind of grabs the steering wheel with her psychic powers and she yep. sort of wrestles it back. Olsen is confused. Oh, what's going on? Um, so she sort of argues mentally with the Cyhawk and then the whatever pressure goes away. And she's like, whew. Um, and a couple hours, I send a phone call later. Mom and dad, I'm home, home. And it's a real nice big place. And we see her mom and dad. Her dad She's is pretty... apparently Clark Kent. <laughs> By the art. That's good, yeah. I got to say, the, um, the Lings are completely non, not stereotyped in any way. Um, they're like, hundred percent like there's no references beyond the pi asking if she thought thinking she uh knows karate no one ever sort of has a anything that's sort of uh, you know unusual for a you know wealthy family in this uh area and time frame i mean so no crappy asian stereotypes is that what we're saying that's what i'm saying there's no like brother who works for Fu Manchu or anything. Uh, I don't yeah. know. What is that? Um, They're not colored yellow. Shang-Chi, yeah, type. Yeah, there's no, like, we all uh, own the only Chinese restaurant in this town. And there's a number of things that they, you know, they avoided successfully. So anyway, so they, they uh, the PI drives off um, paid and supposedly happy. And is uh, Kathy is immediately indulged by her parents with uh, new clothes, a new car, um, going back to school. She sees her old friends. She's gossiping and being really catty with them about other girls. And uh, her female acquaintances are not the only ones Kathy catches up with. Hmm. Got a little makeout session. Um, with a boy, apparently. 
Um, so I don't know the the days that follow. These are you know, it's time is going by and she's enjoying life at home again, um, and she's sort of thinking it's really great and uh, she really appreciates being around her family more than she did before. And, but she's still worried that the Cyhawk is going to come back and force her to do so. She also starts being very suspicious of people around her, um, like people maybe following her or trying to photograph her with little spy cameras and things. Um, and then later outside her home, another car comes up. Hey, Kathy. More like guys who like to just roll up on young women. I... <laughs> but it's the skipper. Yeah. Okay. Still, that's going to get you. Once. It's going to get you maced one of these days. I haven't. So, what are you doing here, skipper? It's a long way from the CIA. Yeah, truly, you're in Los Angeles area and skipper works in DC. Um, he, he says that Colby Shaw, the woman who runs Sanctuary, told him he, she'd left and he came as a friend, that it's dangerous for her and for the other four since they're not together. They have uh, less power when they form the Cyhawk and so that they're still in danger from anyone who'd want to capture and exploit you. So she's not having it. I'm never going back to those freaky kids, not because of some stupid hallucination. I'm, going, I'm back where I belong and I'm never leaving. Never. Never. So Skipper is like, well, I actually made things worse. Uh, <laughs> drives away. And in the shadows, we see someone has been watching all of this and is like, what was all that about? Oh, we see that it is Bert Olson who's still hanging around. And, uh, Hiding in the bushes like a weirdo. Yeah. Suddenly he's like, oh, I couldn't get what happened the other day out of my mind. Something's weird about that girl, and I'm going to find out what it is. Oh, so later that night, maybe um, Kathy's going to bed with her kitty cat, Benjamin, and she has a vision of Cyhawk. I should have known. She's like, get out. Get out of my head. And she's telekinetically throwing a bunch of the stuff um, from her room at him, which is basically the cover image. Yep. And uh, she's arguing, I'm not going to go. I'm not going anywhere. And um, he sort of stands and points at the window. She's like, sanctuary. He wants me to go back to sanctuary. Starts getting dressed, but then she's like, nope. No, I got it. You almost had me, but I beat you again. Just get out, go, leave, leave, leave. So she's, she's like, okay, I did it. It's interesting that she can repel the Cyhawk, whereas uh, Wayne could not or did not. Yeah, I mean, Wayne's specialty is control. And I don't know, maybe that makes him also more susceptible to it. Maybe he's a secret softy. Yeah, don't know. Um, so her parents are wake up and ask her what happened, and she's like, um, nothing. Bad dream. They threatened to send her to a psychiatrist, but um, she's like, oh, great. So that next morning, um, 
Someone else is peering through her bedroom window. I really need a security system at the Ling Estate here. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot of creeps around. A lot of creeps around. So Kathy wakes up and says, "I know. I'll take a walk to the park." Funny, I never liked that park when I lived here. She hmm. gets there, and it is, of course, the other four members of Psy Force. They have come down to, and I guess Wayne has pushed her to come there, and uh, she's mad at him. How could he make me do something that Cyhawk couldn't? And they, Wayne knows the answer to that right away, because being, you know, losing you makes the Cyhawk weaker. And so uh, it's not as powerful as when we're together. You've made the hawk suffer. <laughs> she doesn't care much about that. So um, the, the others tell her that, you know, they need her. Um, and that basically we're all in heightened fear and anxiety since he left. And the hawk is driving us all up the wall. Yeah. So like the Cyhawk couldn't get her to come back. So then it forced them to go get her basically right yeah and they're like she mentions they're not quite themselves and uh, they're using their powers or i guess wayne sort of is but it seems like cyhawk is kind of controlling them to get to her now so yeah attempt number three the um let's see tyrone tells her um you know, Cyhawk pushed us to come here to get you back. He needs you, and we need you, and not just because he's making us crazy. Um, she's pretty happy with her life there, she tells them, and she doesn't want to leave. Um, so after a, some more discussion, um, they start, let's see, Wayne maybe starts pushing her, and then she throws something at him, a park bench. Yeah, nails him the spine with a bench. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, you know, they sort of demonstrate their powers uh, in this uh, hopefully isolated park. Um, creepy makes something explode near her, although he's maybe the Cyhawk is kind of encouraging them to use their powers a little bit more than they would ordinarily since they know how dangerous they are on each other. Um, yeah. Kathy's like, I can't trust any of you. And she runs off and the others are, aren't really in good shape. They, she's thrown them around at each other. And so uh, she takes off and with only Tyrone's astral form coming, please come back. Yeah, of the group, I mean, she definitely has the most like combat effective power of being able to throw objects and people and just kind of literally push everything around. Whereas, um, you know, I guess Crawley with the mind explosions, you know, could be the most powerful, but, you know, mostly only in sort of deadly situations. Yeah, there's, yeah. If your power is like um, too dangerous, then you can't use it either. And then, like, Tyrone's is useful, but not in combat situations the way we've sort of shown it. He just he emits a ghost out of his body, and, which has no ability to interact with physical things. So, 
Next afternoon, Kathy is saying uh, bye to her friend Grace, and she's thinking, Grace has been my best friend since first grade, but I can't tell her about what I've been going through. She'd never believe me. And, you know, it's these secrets are hard for her to uh, kind of keep to herself, I think, is, is part of the conflict she has inside herself. Anyway, she gets home, and there's, you can hear her parents talking to someone, and she sneaks in because she's a little suspicious. And it turns out to be Bert Olson is back. And he's showing uh, the Lings. Um, he's telling them that, you know, she sort of threw him around when he first accosted her, that the wheel, steering wheel seemed to have a mind of its own. And I thought this was a little fast, but I guess it was the next afternoon. So yeah, he, had, uh, he also took photos of the kids fight in the park that we just had a couple of pages before. Um, so it was the next day he had you know, developed these photos and taken them to the Lings to sort of show that, he, you know, something weird is going on around him. He strikes me as one of those guys who would develop his own photos in his like basement photo lab kind of thing. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> it's, it's a, I mean, I, I, at first I thought that was like, you know, how did you get photos of this incident that just happened in the last scene? But, you know, there, there's enough of a break in there. That, yeah. From both sense. angles, too. He's got, like, the backside from the bench and then the front side. And... <laughs> yeah. Over there, click, 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 click. Why didn't, <laughs> why didn't we see attention. this guy walking all over, taking pictures of us doing this? Hmm. Um, so, yeah, he... Uh, it's not like he's blackmailing them, but he's sort of, you know, asking for more money to, as, uh, so that he won't, I don't know, he, you know, he's sort of like hints that there's more danger around and there's more people that'll be interested in this, including the government. Um, Kathy comes in and she is mad. She throws him across the room. Whoop, what have I done? He's like, the Lings are not too happy with this. Oh, it's true. You're a freak. And poor Olson's like, my neck, I think it's broken. Yikes. <laughs> she messed him up pretty good. Yeah, she, she doesn't uh, control her power too well. So, or she doesn't have fine control. But luckily at the doorway, it's the other four members of Cyforce and we've got i've got to help that man luckily the healer anastasia comes over and uh gets uh bert olsen healed up he's so badly hurt um something pretty serious there and then uh wayne puts the lings into well a nap i guess he puts them out and mind wipes them probably so they all sort of have a cover story that like there was a, a accident breaking the window and you know everything was just normal and then Wayne sends uh, the PI off without the photos and without a memory of what he's even doing there so we see him driving off and like huh what am I doing up here in Woodland Hills well anyway time, weird time to go for dinner um, so they say you know Kathy, we saved you this time. If we're not around anymore, who knows what'll happen? 
um, but she's like, I'm going to go live a normal life. They get ready. They start taking off, but then she's like, wait, you're right. And just want to be normal again so much. It hurts. But I realize I can't be. So womp womp. next page, she's saying goodbye to her cat and their parents are still knocked out. Take care, good care of mom and dad for me, kitten. Tell them I love them. And she walks out <sighs> with side force. <laughs> so they all just sort of walk home in silence. They all learned more emphatically than ever that their lives are no longer in their own hands. And we see the spectral image of the Psyhawk on the horizon, sort of guiding them home. Then the Psyhawk has really been the bad guy. So far, he's, he's not really a positive force in their lives. Um, having saved them a couple times, I guess makes him uh, it worthwhile, but uh, yeah. Definitely, they're not too happy with him in any way, which is funny since it's mostly composed of them. Anyway, I should say next, he could have been one of them. Instead, he's Psy Force's deadliest enemy. Meet the Psy Stalker. Oh, that doesn't sound like a cabin. <laughs> but maybe. Still no cabin. Um, we could, well... At some point in maybe the end of the year, we'll uh, count up all the uh, predictions that the blurbs have made and like how accurate they've been. <laughs> like a success rate percentage. Yeah. If it cracks to like two thirds, I'll be surprised. But anyway. Yeah, we'll see. It's still early. So we do have letters to, to Cyforce. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the name of the, the, the column. So we'll just give you a couple of um, answers from the editors for the flavor of what's going on this month, I guess. Um, so yeah, most of them are pretty positive. We, you know, I liked this, it was one of my favorites, blah, blah, blah. And response, if the volume of positive response to Cyforce is any indication, it looks like the new universe is a major success on all levels, folks. Not only is everyone clamoring over the first-rate art and stories, but there appears to be overwhelming interest in our new, realistic approach to comic books. And that's what everyone's looking for. They're going to love what we have planned for Cyforce. It's kind of like when the company leaves their own reviews on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I like all these books. I've been enjoying reading them, uh, but that's a bit a bit strong. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone loves it. it as the commercial success of the year, and no one's going to want to read Batman anymore. They're just going to want the new universe. <laughs> oh, another, another, let's see, another reader writes in, uh, what are the team's code names? Group will receive code names only if it becomes necessary for some reason or another. Of course, in the dangerous world they live in, this is not at all unlikely. Okay. Yeah. Um, there, none of the books have been in a rush to give code names. Um, DP7 suggested a number of them. 
Yeah, but it was more like a fun conversation. Yeah. And uh, this one, I don't even think they ever had a convo like that. So, um, I mean, they're the, not really even Cyforce. Like, no one has said Cyforce. <laughs> hey, Cyforce is here. Yeah. No. They're, they're just kids with powers. Not even all of them psychic powers. Well, I guess they all kind of are, but. Yeah, they all fight under psychic powers. So. And let's see, they say that um, Cyforce will be crossing over with new universe, other new universe titles even sooner than you'd expect. All right. Yeah, we haven't had much of a crossover yet, other than a brief bit of uh, Spitfire and Starbrand. Yeah, I, I mean, I would give us, you know, group of titles like this two or three months to sort of establish their own identity before I started crossing over. But, you know, who knows what the editors at the time thought. Let me think the, um, in the original Marvel universe, like it was pretty like one or two issues of Spider-Man in before he meets the Fantastic Four. That happened pretty fast, as I recall. Yeah, I guess it makes sense if they're all sort of public though. And they were all in New York City, too, right? That definitely added a lot to this, like, everyone sort of bumping into each other randomly quality. Yeah. These guys are all over the country, so. Yeah. It would have been funny to see, like, Justice in his cab, like, driving through Wisconsin or something on the way <laughs> out west, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's I guess see, someone asked about an official handbook of the Marvel New Universe, um, which they did not produce at the time. So no. it's been, uh, there's been a few, uh, the official handbook uh, publications over the last 20 years, I think, that have a few of the characters or settings from the New Universe. Um, so, Perhaps a couple of podcast hosts could put those together sometimes for people. We'll see. Somebody, sometime. And then a, um, how about the letter column heading saying Psy Signals? And the response to that is interesting. Looks like the inevitable letters page name debate has officially begun, but it's already over. <laughs> The winner you for the you time don't get being. To name anything. <laughs> we named it ourselves, and we don't need your input. Ouch. Yeah, the, the winner for the time being, anyway, is what you see at the top of this page. So they're, they're I mean, last week, um, Spitfire said, yeah, give us some more suggestions for letter, letter column titles. And this week, Cyforce is saying, no, we don't need any suggestion. We're just going to use this. <laughs> so, well, okay. Different editors, I guess. Yeah, it is different editors. So, we'll see where the if uh, the books uh, stay uniform or each go in their own ways for the letters columns. Um, but as always, it's kind of fun to see what people were thinking when these things came out. Um, a cross section of 
humanity from the U.S. of 1986. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a little more curious to hear criticisms, but um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to publish them in their first letters page. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, you suck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everything has to be Stan Lee, you know, rah, rah. This is the greatest thing and, you know. The greatest thing since greatness was invented. You're like, okay, I've heard this one before. But, you know, just a general positivity is fine. Um, all right. So. Um, grading time. Grading time. Um, let me say this is a sort of, uh, if this was like a TV show, I mean, it'd be like. This is a good episode. It sort of go, continues along. You get to focus on one of the characters. I kind of don't think they'll do this with every character. Like, did they almost? Um, yeah, that would eat up a lot of comic. Yeah, but uh, you know, certainly in the beginning, focus on a couple, especially if you haven't seen too much of them for it so far. Um, so on a TV show, this would be like give out the other actors a chance to take a break, but you know. To the comic it's all the same to the creators so. but uh like i say kathy's a, a sort of a good stereotype when she starts this valley girl archetype that's um very popular at that time um she's uh, asian but is not in any way like uh, limited by any asian stereotypes either so which is mm -hmm probably be better than a lot of uh, pop culture of the time. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as story, it doesn't move forward, but it's, it's a reasonable uh, entry. So I'll also throw a B plus at it. Yeah, I, was, I mean, at risk of giving too many B pluses, <laughs> uh, the average will be pretty high. Uh, but that's that's where I landed as well. I think it's uh, it was a solid story, right? Moves things along. It shows that she's actually a little bit tougher than Wayne. Two easy grading chemists visit the new universe. That's, uh, that'll be our epitaph. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be some terrible issues somewhere, but this was not one of them. And uh, one of my favorite things in life in general is when someone's sort of angry and they kind of like shake their fist at someone like hold their fist up in the <laughs> air and like this issue is full of that <laughs> occasionally pointing there's a lot of angry finger pointing too and then it made me think also again of the simpsons uh at one point homer says uh, alcohol the pro the cause of and solution to all of life's problems uh, but I think that's kind of Psyhawk here, is <laughs> both the cause of and solution to all of their problems. <laughs> Good. Yeah. We'll see if uh, their relationship to Psyhawk changes. Um, it sounds like next issue, we've got an actual uh, paranormal villain. That'll be an interesting uh, match. Yeah. We had the first issue, that Mind Wolf. Yeah, which I still kind of hold out hope that he might come back. Because um, you need to have someone pretty strong to take on the whole team at once. So we'll see. 
Yeah, because um, Wayne himself can take out a whole squad of inner city toughs. So, you know, that's a maybe that's a discussion for another day of like comparing how powerful the different psychic abilities are. Yeah, we'll get because to like in, in role role playing games. I know, like where you, um, couple I'm thinking of. Um, the telepathy was considered the weakest one or the like easiest one to get. Hmm. So a thing like telekinesis that can push things or I mean, that was like a lot more expensive or you know rare or something. So the, this book really makes a point that the telepathy is the core and the necessary skill to have. Yeah, I mean, really, most of our issues end with someone getting like mind wiped so that they forget what's going on. Maybe yeah. they're overusing that a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I, if I were writing a book like this, I would have people like, like Kathy and Michael constantly pushing things out of the way and blowing them up and like. Right, launching the brick and then exploding it while uh, Tyrone is up in the air kind of feeding them information and right. giving so, them like the battleship coordinates. <laughs> yeah, he's the, the stealth guy, so. Sort of. Anyway. Yeah, so um, I was kind of thinking when I was reading this, uh, sort of our discussion question, maybe I won't go too long because my head saying this episode is going to be kind of long, but. Um, like, would it actually be fun to have superpowers? Like, you know, as a kid, you know, and, and even as an adult, you get asked the question, like, would you, like, which superpower would you pick? Like, you know, what would be the best one? Super strength and vulnerability. Would you like to read minds, see through walls, right? Um, you know, would it, be, would it be a lot of fun or would it be more like we're seeing in the new universe in, in these books where, uh, really, it's kind of more of a burden that they're really struggling to uh, cope with. Right. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, how like how obvious it is that you have this power. I mean, if um, I would imagine most people would think I'm going to keep this a secret and never tell anyone about this. And then there's, yeah, like blowing things up is not going to be very helpful in your normal day-to-day -day life, I think. Right. Uh, and how many times can you do it on accident or something, you know, without, before someone kind of picks up on it, right? Why are things always blowing up around you, man? I'm <laughs> just lucky that way. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple of, you know, a couple of these you can imagine have like, using for personal gain, certainly. Um, so like uh, you can you know, make as much money as you want if you can just, people just do whatever you tell them to. Right. Um, so you're never going to go hungry that with that, but um, I don't know if um, for like a teenager, you're usually thinking in terms of like being popular or, you know, boys and girls have like much different imaginations of what they want to accomplish. So for a boy, you'd be like, I want, you know, girls to notice me. Um, for girls, I don't know, more uh, 
success in, in school or something might be useful. I'm sure plenty of women would be happy to have the power to uh, throw the strange men that approach them away from themselves into the bushes or something like that. <laughs> they, yeah, that may be more useful than I thought, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's know. interesting, like the comic book answer tends to be, well, okay, well, you get the powers, either you use them for good, like you go public, you hide your identity, maybe, but you you do everything you can to help as many people as possible, or you go evil and you're selfish and you, you know, do things for yourself. But, but yeah, like, you know. I mean, as Starbrand points out, your opportunities to do good things for other people are pretty limited. Um, so there's not a lot of like, oh, I'm just going to stop a robbery or save someone who's fallen down a well or number of other things that like your power might help with. And so, yeah, your opportunities to get into the movies free or something like that would, or, you know, have make the teacher give you a better grade, things like that seem, would seem to come up all the time. Uh, yeah. And you've got kind of like, you know, what celebrities have to deal with, right? You kind of become famous in movies and whatnot, and you know, maybe you got a lot of money, but also you're coming up against, you know, being insanely public, right? So, you know, I imagine if someone had, like, say, one person has powers, right? Like, Ken Connell exists in real life kind of thing. Like, you know, would weirdos think he's the next Jesus, right? Would, um, like, in the previous issue, like, would the government seek to track him down and kind of, you know, use them for their own aims or as the bartender said, you know, often, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably because I'm reading all this new universe stuff uh, and they've kind of thought it out to the point where, well, they're probably not going to be superheroes. They're probably just going to have to struggle. Yeah. I mean, you can Seems imagine like it a would be... slow process of them becoming more public, but um, certainly in the early stages, not knowing how many other people have this or you know how real it is or something you would be very secretive about it you'd all be very isolated as a result because hardly anyone was sort of in the same spot at the same time to to realize that other people had also developed these powers so um it's um yeah, I, I think Kathy's uh, desire to get, a, get go back to normal life would be very uh, popular choice. I think. Yes, <laughs> I mean it, it certainly it's... beats being an orphan in a crappy <laughs> town, uh, and uh, you know being accosted by thugs and having to carry around a dead guy in the city and having a weird psychic hawk dude controlling you and yeah. yeah i like that about this too though too is like you know they they have this ultimate power um but it's weird right i mean like it's this hawk thing that sends them strange imagery it doesn't talk um obviously it can work to their benefit but it's also incredibly strange so they're not like immediately comfortable with it and you know hey man let's summon the sci-hawk to solve this problem it's, it's <laughs> only really I sort of out of desperation. Um, 
because they don't quite trust him yet. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't. Could. I mean, he very well might not always have their best interest in mind. He seems to be at least a little bit self-serving. Yeah, it's a. It, I mean, if there's like a a, a core mystery of Cyforce, it really is the Cyhawk. What is it, and what its agenda is? Because it's there. There always seems to be something. Um, that it's not telling you and it just has these kids sort of dancing to its uh, song and you know if there's like something better then we'll just kind of hide here until the spies I don't know forget about us or something and if if it were like another different five kids like could Proudhawk Emmett in the beginning have, have given those kids this power Right. Or was it something special about them? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, and the the Proudhawk himself is really like a, a real puzzle because um, we, he was only in one issue and he, he's worked for the CIA, so I don't know how much I trust him either. Um, and um, yeah, so is there part of him in this thing and is that part completely benign um, no no so it's it, i don't really sense that the book is you know driving itself towards a solution to some of these mysteries but it sort of throws out some more questions than answers which is good like narratively it's like mm-hmm. see where yeah. i go with that Let's yeah i would say over time i've become more and more interested in the book like this one is trending upwards for me, I think. Yeah, this is the only one I never really gave a chance to before. So um, when I say good things about it now, it's everything's like, oh, pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's not a nostalgic thing, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, so far, so good. Um, let's see, any... I guess we, we talk- could uh, give the pr- the blurbs for next uh, week. Yeah. You want to do it or you want me to? I'll go for it. Cool. That's it for this week's episode. Next time we'll be covering Mark Hazard Merck, number four. The rescue of his best friend's daughter from a street gang turns Mark Hazard into a target. Not only at the street gang, but his best friend too. The stunning reason why is found out in, is found in friends hmm. like we gotta watch the tv show friends <laughs> <laughs> who's his best friend is it mal is it someone else i keep thinking it's something to do with that the the cop claire or was it oh yeah i wouldn't say well she does have but kids. she's not his best friend yeah she hmm. was just a friend mark i think of you as a friend sorry we'll find out I, We'll find out. And Kickers Inc. number four, will a pro football game end in murder? Mm. And if it does, as it looks like it will, why will Kickers Inc. be the cause? Ooh. Mm. Probably because some bad decision that Mr. Magnificent makes. (laughs) (laughs) Is willing to kill to keep his uh, superpowers a secret. I'm sorry, defensive end on the other team. I didn't realize you saw me do that. I guess I'll have to kill you now. <laughs> anyway.
Well, until next time, uh, if, uh, please look into the uh, website, kickersinc.com. Um, take a look at the contest. Um, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. <laughs>